Welcome to Perspectives YYC. In today's episode, I actually sat down with my incredible wife, Helen Yun. Now she changed her last name of her own account. I'll have you know. And we got to chat about us. It was great. I want to thank Kyle for being such a great producer for that. A quick thank you to Handmade, a local band here who's just released their debut EP called For You. It's on, I believe, all streaming uh, services. They allowed us initial access pre-release for their amazing song On and On, which you hear before and through uh, the podcast. If you do get a chance to check them out, uh, Handmade, not the Thai boy band, just check them out. Give them a follow on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you might be able to search and find them. Thanks again to Handmade for an awesome track for us. Yeah, I think we're also saying something about if you do have some time uh, to press pause, uh, to give us a rating, a review, subscribe. We're now on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and wherever you're at to just give us some direction. That'd be great. Uh, but without further ado, um, here's me chatting with my wife about the last incredible 18 years that she's uh, given to me. Hope you like it. Mind your plosives. Nobody knows what that means. No, I don't. And Adobe just updated all oh, of their software, Adobe. so I'm <laughs> using this this new software. We'll see how this goes. Yeah, Adobe. Well, not new software, but new update. They like mine updated. Then it told me <coughs> credit card was wrong. Then it told me this, and then it downloaded three new apps, even though I didn't ask because of Photoshop. And it's fucking annoying. Yeah, but because it's you, I would say user error. That will be on the recording. Show how cruel you are to me. <laughs> uh, such a hard life, Kyle. Welcome today. It's going to be fun. I've brought um, my beautiful wife, the most lovely lady that I've ever met. You know, if you roll eyes while you're on an audio podcast, nobody can see it. <laughs> You'll have to emote that somehow with your mouth. So Helen Yun now, uh, Helen Yun is here with us today. And as usual, uh, to her frustration, we have not prepared anything for this. Um, that's just how I operate. So I thought, um, maybe I'll quickly ask you, what do you feel comfortable with? Do you want to talk about your business, us? Maybe how we came to be where we're at today versus where we were maybe two and a half years ago about our boss, Emerson. <laughs> um, I don't know. Whatever you want. It's mm. your podcast. Well, you did threaten to take over and interrogate me. So 
I thought I would start there. How about this? For those who don't know, Helen and I have been romantically entangled for a little over 18 years. Um, and while maybe visually we don't look uh, old, um, ooh, that, we're gonna keep that in. Kyle that was like a ninja, ninja cat. Ninja caught his phone. <laughs> That's what 10 years of working at Apple will do to you. He knows technology. He felt it moving off his lap. That was amazing. That was amazing. I'm multitasking. I hope. Man, that was good. Um, so we met in the year 2000. That's true. Yeah. We've grown up together, essentially. And you are on the borderline of uh, having been together with me for as long as you have without that's true, because yeah. I'm 37. No, one yeah. more year. One more year. And so our kind of life together spans quite a lot of different phases, mm -hmm. I think. And so our recent one is of more notoriety. So I've got a podcast, which is insane. I mean, you know more than anybody that I have no right to have a podcast. Um, I have a magazine. Uh, Helen was asking me this morning what I was bringing her on uh, for, if she's not an artist, quote unquote, but... Uh, she is. So when I met her, she was entering uh, fashion design school in Ryerson, Toronto. Uh, she had uh, super short blood red hair. No, not blood. Super red, crimson red hair. <laughs> like Ronna McDonough. Yeah. Uh, was into rave scene, dark raves. Doing As did crazy every stuff. art student. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and then throughout the years, uh, through our corporate experience and kyle has become aware of how bitter i am about that uh, mostly it's my fault but that's okay um you still were creative you built stuff you got you know certified in indesign you did this and that and now amongst all the cool stuff you do for your own work um you build my magazine for me i did mm -hmm. sometimes i wonder if you started a magazine thinking that I would build it for you. Never mind the magazine. I'm pretty sure subconsciously all of my midlife crisis revolves around things that I know I can ask you to help me out. And mm -hmm. people... I think you're trying to come up with projects that we can work together on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I've always told you that <laughs> we should always be working together. Yeah. Uh, we are a weird couple in the sense that I, uh, I at least, I will speak for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, if it were up to me, we would... Uh, be doing everything together. Yeah, I'm a big sap. So you just need to get your Komari certification. We talked about <laughs> it, and I have a feeling I'd be pretty good at it. Um, Probably. You were sort of my Komari consultant. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a yeah. second. Um, let's go there. Let's talk about Komari. Um, maybe if you want to talk about Komari from your pitch level, about what Komari is, and then we'll mm -hmm. talk about how we discovered Komari, which ties into why we're doing any of this at all. All right. Well, the Komari method is a Japanese method of organizing. It was created by Marie Kondo. What do I want to say about it? It's all about finding joy. And I see it as almost like a self-discovery journey. So Marie Kondo wrote this book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And it has been translated into over 40 languages around the world. She sold over 10 million copies. And she has consultants around the world that does what she does, you know, helping people organize their home and organize their life because your home should reflect your ideal life. And that's what I do. Does she ever talk about 
What, what, I can't remember. Did she talk about why she started doing that? I, I well, remember something about her being like a weird kid. Yeah, so she's been obsessing since, like, about organizing since she was five years old. And she would just go rush home and read her mom's like magazine, like housewife magazines about organizing tips and whatever. That was like her favorite thing to do and just organize and reorganize. And I think she felt really frustrated at one point when she was a teenager because she's organizing all the time, but why is she, why is there so much to organize? You know, why does she never felt like she was done? So one day she passed out from organizing, from exhaustion. <laughs> and she talks about this a lot as she's probably the only person who's ever passed out from organizing. And when she woke up, she had this epiphany. She felt like God was speaking to her. You know, she had this epiphany that I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I've been looking at what I want to discard rather than what I want to keep in my life. And that's, you know, that's one of the um, biggest difference in how you look at things. Because when people talk about decluttering, they're always going around their home and saying, oh, what should I get rid of? What don't I need? But rather than doing that, you should think about what do I actually need what do I want in my life? And then approach it that way. The interesting thing about that, other than it's the most Japanese story ever, passing out from organizing, <laughs> having you know some uh, goddess, god or goddess come down from me, you know, maybe up from the earth because they have their you know Shinto beliefs of uh, gods living amongst men and and uh, just going, this is the the true path, the correct path. Uh, but what's interesting is how it lines up with how we discovered it and why I keep describing this stage of uh, my and uh, presumably our lives as a midlife crisis, which is that I think that reflects on how I was living my life leading up to that in general. It was about hating on things and throwing things away and just being so disappointed with myself and everything around. And when we found it, we were in trouble. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was at a low point. Well, Should maybe, we talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with it. It's yeah. up to you. I talk um, about it all the time. Yeah, because it yeah. was, uh, uh, yeah, of all it's, the 18 it's years, the truth. that was probably the bottom. Yeah, it's the truth. So it was when Emerson was about to turn one. I remember, so it would have been like, what, 2015? Yes. In April, I think is when... Yeah, just before his birthday. Yeah, I think we were in a really bad place. I was still on mat leave. You were on stress leave from your corporate job. I think my third in a row. Yeah, you were not doing well. We were not doing well. We were just, you know, barely just getting through the day. Mm. And one day I felt like I was out of Netflix. There was nothing more to watch. You know, when you feel like you've caught up, you don't watch a lot of TV, but... So um, I downloaded this book on a whim on my phone. Remember, I threw it at you and I said, read this, summarize it for me because I'm too stressed out to read it or I'm too overwhelmed because I was nursing Emerson. And so you just had this like horror look on your face. Like, I think you were really shocked that your wife would throw a phone at you. And then you just started reading it. And I could tell that you were so hooked just from the the first page. And you're not really the kind of person that really gets hooked on anything. So I kept asking you, what's going on in the book? And you're like, just wait, just wait. And then finally you said, this is not the kind of book I can summarize for you. So if you want to read it, you just have to read it. And then we were both just reading on our bed, I remember. 
I get hooked on stuff. I'm hooked on Candy Crush right now. Oh my it's god! It's kicking my ass. Like I close my eyes and all I see is those goddamn candies like lining up in like fives and eights. And I I don't know. Anyways, okay. So Candy Crush. You are hooked on Candy Crush. It's insane. It's insane. Um, <clears throat> for my part, uh, yeah, I I was. I mean, as it turns out, my real bottom personally was a year later. But I was losing losing my mind at that point. And when I opened that ebook, we didn't have the physical book at that time. Uh, our just to give an idea, our place it was messy. It was kind of overlaid with everything. Uh, we were carrying all this stuff from Toronto. We had done a big purge, and you had had an intu- intuition about uh, this lightening of the load when we left Toronto. But when I opened that book, and I, you know, we were in so much goddamn trouble without any help for parenting and like you know we were just so stretched out and then this book's kind of like joy and like reassess and like fuck yeah like Like live your ideal life i can't answer any of these questions at that point i wasn't listening to music like we were were watching movies on netflix but i don't remember anything we watched it was Mm -hmm. like this haze and we were so whiny like people would meet us and we'd be like you know parenting's shit and we're having so much fucking trouble and blah 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 blah. and like when we look at some of the pictures we, we had a great time i know and our son was so we weren't in a cute. good place no we were we were struggling so, so I opened when you're this not book. in a good place you look at everything with your negative point of view yeah exactly uh the glasses um so yeah open this book and it's like you know you can change it all you have to do is uh, start with your clothes and that was easy for me because I'm like, I don't have that many clothes to begin with. So yeah, let's do it. Um, and so we did it together. It took us two weeks. I think, yeah, week. I would say it's probably like two or three weeks of really intensive. Like sweating. Yeah, like we, like we would trade off whenever Emerson oh, yeah. was awake. But I want to say something about the clothes because okay. you did have clothes. You didn't have a lot. But you did have clothes. But that was when you decided to adopt the uniform. Yeah, yeah. I think I can't remember if it was the same time that the Steve Jobs book came out or if it was just before. But yeah, I have a uniform. Yeah, because you said to me, I realized clothes doesn't bring me joy the same way that it would bring you joy. So I think if I don't really care about clothes, what would bring me the most joy is to just not have to think about it. Yeah. And that's it, it was echoed again. I don't know if I was inspired or saw it again in the Steve Jobs bio, but yeah, I have seven shirts, have seven underwear, one pair of pants, and then I just go, you know. And then that, although saying it that way, it makes it sound like a go getter. I'm not a go getter. I'm addicted <laughs> to Candy Crush, right? Like, yeah. But you know, when I play Candy Crush, I'm wearing one of seven shirts and my one pair of jeans. I don't have to worry about what to wear to Candy Crush. So that's kind of an important. For me, you know, what was the big uh, thing? The the clothes was a cool one, uh, the books. So I'd carried with us two or three Billy bookcases of philosophy and history and all this um, weight about what I thought I needed people to see me as. And in, when I got to that point, I thought I was going to be in trouble and I threw them all away. <laughs> like we sold them. Like there's a whole other story about what happened with it after. But oh my God, like I... I, it was so fast because I realized at that point, uh, what, what, 2015. So when, when did I graduate? Not that I wanted to, but 2009, maybe. So it'd been remember. like maybe five or six years or seven years after I had uh, apparently received a degree from U of T, um, which I really don't deserve. And I, uh, <laughs> and I, I put it all away because I don't know, ask me now, what did Jean-Paul Sartre say? I, I don't know, I don't remember, which I mean, sometimes it comes up, but it's yeah, not important. I'm sure you remember a lot more than you're letting on. Um, 
And I kept five books on photography, which I wasn't really a photographer yet. I was dabbling with it. I was mm-hmm. stressed out. I couldn't call myself a photographer at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Hard time uh, with that. Yeah. For a long time. And then we started. And it wasn't easy. It's not like you woke up the next day and you're like, I'm going to be a Kamari consultant. And I was <laughs> like, I'm going to start a podcast. Like, we, we had no idea what we were going to do next. We had another year of, of suffering, um, but it got so much lighter mm-hmm. and easier to manipulate and kind of like, you know, when you come home and your home is just things that you've selected that you actually are engaged with, it affects your spiritual life. It affects the way you look at yourself. Uh, and that's why it's become such a fundamental, almost, I hate to say religious, but, um, you know, spiritually important book. Not that I've reread it since then, but uh, fascinating. I read it a few times after, obviously, but... I pick up new things every time I open it up because, you know, the human mind, at least my mind, I'm not able to absorb 100% of the information. So every time I reread it, I'm getting like a new piece of wisdom in there. There's so much in there. So now we're here. I mean, a few years passed and um, some other stuff happened. Our son got older, so it became easier to deal with. It wasn't like... uh, a situation where we needed to be, well, we're still enslaved to him, but enslaved, enslaved, enslaved to him. the vocabulary that he used. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to say one thing that's really changed for us is that after the process, we really changed our relationship with things. Mm-hmm. So before the Komari process, we were both collectors. You loved collecting things like DVDs, DVDs books, mm-hmm. anything, you know scotch at one point like anything that you enjoy you would collect all the things around it and i was the same way too i had no hobbies other than shopping if i had like a few hours off i would just go shopping so that's really changed and i think it really make us look at our lives differently because of that yeah us and then all the creators i'm meeting and you know kyle yeah my my friend kyle and i are friends now if that's you would okay. not have met Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Um, are people that want to go and do something, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I think, you know, the forward of the new magazine is trying to open up that as well, which is that I want the idea of art. Like you were talking again this morning about, well, you know, I'm not creative. You are. You're an exceptionally creative person. And I think that creativity can be in the form of uh, some media, but also how you deal with your clients and stuff. And going into someone else's house and seeing how they might want to arrange something. And they're like, oh, this is not going to fit. And you're really good at just be like, okay, well, you just put this here, put this here. And all of a sudden, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's everything. creative solutions. Yeah and, yeah. and you take those things for granted. The layouts are the same thing. Like, um, it's not just that you're good at graphic design. I mean, there's so many graphic designers. Like, you built the layout of our magazine in three days. That's insane. You, when you started being a Komari consultant, you took it upon yourself to learn how to use Squarespace and Instagram as a tool as opposed to being enslaved to it. And then you created, like, I remember the first time you showed me your website, you had a pop-up window. I was like, how, how, how do you get pop-up windows on Squarespace? Like, I just, I click and drag my picture where it says insert image and I write where it says add text and it looks like shit. And then... You know, you're you're you have your website. I'm like, well, is it a different template? And you're like, no, you just have to do this, this, and this because you went and researched it. That's creativity. There's action. There's kind of like engagement, which I, I think is always attracted me to you. I, 
I think even when we were in collecting phase and living all that stuff, uh, you know, you're you're an interesting person. I like uh, I like watching you do stuff because I tend to uh, do other things, <laughs> <laughs> bad things, silly things. This morning, my son, our son, had a like a DefCon fucking ten freak out, and now I realize like that's just how I've lived my entire life. So I'm sorry. <laughs> That you've put up with that for 18 years. Uh, wow. You know, having listened to the podcast and having kind of understand where we're going, where, where are you at right now? I don't know. I think just there's so much history, right? And there's so much that we've been through together. I think that's why it's harder to just pick one thing and talk about it. Mm. But I think it would be interesting to kind of hear how you had more clarity about your life and decided to, you know, start calling yourself a photographer because you had a hard time with that and then moving on to creating perspectives and how you became a person who if you think you want to do something you just go and do it instead of just waiting around Mm -hmm. until that opportunity is presented to you because that's kind of where you were before and then you become like a you know you you have changed a lot you know, my first thought when you when you uh, flip the script here and ask me a question is uh, is you know countering with a question like uh, how do we get our first house? Who led the charge uh, with that? Uh, you did. I did. Yeah, and uh, I had this crazy thought that I needed to own a house by the time I was twenty four in Toronto. Yeah, that and was then- a goal of mine, and I did it, but we suffered for many years. Not just that, but you did that. I mean, let's talk about our history. You did that at, I mean, I don't know if volume peak of some of my worst alcohol abuse. I was living with a good friend of mine. We were literally drinking something like 16 hours a day and living in this, it was a nice apartment that we destroyed. Yeah, you guys destroyed. (laughs) I would not set foot in that apartment by the end. Alcohol bottles and fruit flies and rotten food. It was so (laughs) disgusting. And uh, living in squalor. and we had probably been together, yeah, six years at that point, and um, and you're or five years, and you're like, well, I just have to own a house. I'm like, what the f- what what like? <laughs> and you're working two jobs. You graduated fashion, so that doesn't pay because yeah, it's like the worst in, industry. <laughs> you got a job in fashion, didn't pay enough, so I got a, a second job. Yeah, you had well, you had the second job first. Oh yeah, that's true. Paying, you were paying your own way through university too because you're a badass, and then. Uh, and you're good at that. And I, I got fired from a lawn care company for showing up and skipping houses and being drunk at work. And you're working two jobs and you're like, I'm going to own a house. And I'm like lying on a floor, like <laughs> picking fights with myself. And then, uh, <laughs> and then you gave me the ultimatum. You're like, well, look, uh, you know, uh, the, that first high rise condo, you couldn't get the bid. And I remember that mm-hmm. or something like that. It wasn't really an ultimatum. I don't oh. think you should call it that because okay. that's a, that's a term used to describe something else. Yeah, I get your I think I said, I'm going to buy this condo. And you said, well, that's going to be really small, so I'm not going to move in. I said, okay, that's fine. And then it didn't work out. And then my parents were trying to sell their place. And my mom said, hey, why don't you buy it? So then I thought, all right. And then you decided to move in. Yeah, I didn't qualify to be on the mortgage. Didn't anything. Yeah, I just you weren't on the mortgage. House. I would have bought it with or without you. Let me put it this way, Kyle, to see what a piece of crap I was. Helen buys it, uh, co-sign with her brother just to make the the financing. 
the move-in week, uh, I contract salmonella. So not only am I not contributing financially, emotionally, or anything, um, on the physical day to move in, I was like shitting my pants, okay? Like lying down, crying at my parents' house because like my roommate's not going to take care of me and uh, and pissing hell off because we didn't know I had salmonella at the time. Like I just looked like a whiny bathroom baby. I was like, what's wrong with you? Uh, and uh, to the point where I think I lost... 15 pounds in four days like i was hospitalized at one point uh, or taken taken to the hospital by uh, i forced my way to the hospital with my mom because even they were like because their current parents were like well, get off the floor like why are you complaining so much and i'm like i was in big trouble and then i walked in and uh and then we started our journey together well, the, the, well the, okay so because i was such a go-getter I didn't wait until Dave was getting better. I still went to Ikea. I did all the furniture selection that we first had. And I bought everything, lugged it home myself in my With little beetle. Yep. And then got my friends to come over and help me, you know, do some installation. And then you complained. They did a terrible job. For like 10 years yeah. about what a terrible job. And I'm like, you're so ungrateful. Yeah, I was such a piece of crap. And uh, I mean, you know, for the record, they, they did do a bad job on the. Thing. No, oh I, my gosh helen went out her friends helped her because they were such a tight group of people um and they're awesome and um you know not just bought stuff you found like deals like you bought you found our bed frame for like how much like 200 bucks or something crazy like that oh and, yeah ek3 is having out, a 90 yeah. percent off year-end like sale nine zero it doesn't make any sense yeah. and we still have that furniture so many years later um and then you think that i would uh, shape up and then I didn't. <laughs> and then for the next three years or two, whatever it was, uh, Helen continued to work two jobs, um, paying the mortgage. And I uh, tried to drop out of school two times, uh, got a job at a restaurant and drank every night. And, uh, and uh, yeah, made my, well, girlfriend, I suppose, common law wife uh, suffer for many years. We got a question from my Instagram poll uh, from Esther. Uh, I'm starting to really like Esther. Esther's a really cool girl. Like, what, what is it that keeps us stuck together through those times like that? At those times? Oh, we were, we were on the verge. <laughs> At that time, I remember, I remember thinking, like, I was just too busy to deal with it mm. because I had to keep things going. And, you know, I think I would have given that relationship like another six month tops. You know, you know I just realized, I mean, uh, all of this, um, I mean, I've changed quite a bit uh, since then, but I, um, yeah, I can't uh, obviously express to you how much I'm grateful that you're in my life. But, you know, I also think about the first week we were dating and how uh, I think, I think it was the first, second week we had the karaoke night where I passed out drunk in three different places in, on the floor. And then you had to drive me and two of your friends home. And I think I was already crying. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. We would have to stop the car on the side of the highway so you could puke and then apologize after. It's like, what is with this guy? But you know, the one thing I think that's really been the key to us being together for this long, and you know, we don't really fight and we've never broken up. You know, We're not one of those couples that have 
kind of been on and off. I think it's because we always talk about it.、Mm. We talk about everything. We talk about everything.、Yeah. Like we'll stay up all night and talk it out before somebody goes to bed angry. Yeah. So I think that's been the key. Yeah, I I learned.、Uh, I mean, I, you know, I dated in high school a little bit, and、uh, always never works out.、Um, and when I met you, I was on the tail end of what I thought was already a bottom. I've had a lot of bottoms,、uh, mm-hmm. so I thought when I met Helen, I was weighing 135 pounds on the end of my drug binging days, and I、um, I thought, oh, I've I've like figured out. I'm like t- I'm 21 or 22. Yeah, you're. You thought、I'm、you were so, so old. old. <laughs> I figured it all out, and like I've experienced life. But the one thing that I was right about, I think,、uh, right or wrong, but、uh, I had an in- intuition was that,、um, that, yeah, we needed to just talk.、Uh, not that it's going to be the same thing or anything, but、um, that we, not just you and I, but I needed to just let more out. And it's been eighteen years for me to actually let other stuff out. But it's great. I think that our relationship,、uh, both romantically, parentally, entrepreneurially, is because、uh, we can't help but talk to each other about everything. Yeah. <laughs> but I do remember the first time I met you. I went home and I told my mom I had met a guy who's on the verge of homelessness. Yeah, that's not、uh, that's not incorrect. <laughs> I was actually on the verge of homelessness. I was.、Uh, Yeah, I was on the verge of homelessness. My mom is so cute. She's like, "Do you, can we? Can I make him some food?" And I said, "Oh, don't worry. I'm never going to see him again." <laughs> Your mom's the best. <laughs> well, let's talk about how we met. That's、Fine. a story that you love. <laughs> oh, jeez. Thanks for listening so far. We just wanted to say that this podcast has been brought to you by Media Lab YYC. Cal Marshall runs this amazing little outfit here in downtown Calgary,、um, and we wanted to say this here at Media Lab YYC. We help you share your stories with the public, video, audio, business, personal. Let us help you take your idea to the finish line.、Uh, how did we meet? How about how about I ask you? All right. How did we meet? Well, we met online before online was really a thing. You know what's crazy? I was thinking about this. That was social media then. Yeah, Asian social. Yeah, that was social media. It was kind of it predates Facebook,、yeah. right? It was pre MySpace, actually. Yeah, I don't even know if it's even politically cl- correct these days to have a website called Asian Avenue. Oh no, you wouldn't be allowed to do that. Well,、yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? Would you be offended if there was an Asian Avenue where like, predominantly not- Asian people were supposed to like collaborate and? No, there's dating sites for people who live on farms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not a dating site, though.、And、there's like、right. you know white supremacy and you know all that stuff. Yeah, there's people that well, are just. Well, anyway, so I would not join a website like that these days. No, but back then it was that really was, popular. Yeah, it was Friendster. Friendster was the thing. I think it was Friendster, and then it,、oh, and then everybody、yeah. in my high school. Joined Asian Avenue and、so、ICQ then, was big. ICQ was before that. It was older, yeah. But yeah. yeah anyways, oh, sorry, I'm interrupting. Okay, well, we met on Asian Avenue, and it was in one of the. So I used to like to stir shit up. I know that's not who I seem like now,、uh, except to you. <laughs> whatever you don't stir shit up. Well, well, we'll talk about that too. All right. Well,、oh、I would go.、God. Yeah, I would. I would go on these chat rooms with the purpose of stirring shit up. This is why we are always meant to be together. <laughs> Ridiculous. Because、well, you know, I was so selfish. I had no idea what you're doing in there. But anyways, okay. So then, how? And then what happened? And then you came into the chat room and you asked about. You made an announcement about hippos, about how hippos are 
really dangerous and this and that. And then I, I think I was the only one that was engaging with you. Yes. I was like, well, that was interesting. Well, uh, hippos are dangerous. They have razor sharp teeth. They're responsible for, I don't, you know what's interesting? This is pre-Google. I don't know how I knew that. But that was a very important thing for me to be a dick about at that time. So I uh, I did. Yeah. And then I don't remember. I think you must have found me on ICQ after. I think we exchanged. I, well, I don't know specifically, but I think we had fun um, sparring. Like you were calling me a weirdo, but we were, you know, engaging, having fun. And I think we must have. Ex- maybe it was something you just did at those days. Like, you know, if you like know. someone, you're like, this is my ICQ number. I would never do that. Oh. Yeah. Then, I was very secretive uh, online. Anyway, so I think we, you, I, I think you, ICQ I number. think you found me on ICQ. Okay. And then so I stalked you. That's crazy. You stalked me, and then which is not unusual. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so then I think we were talking about music, and you said I had horrible music taste because I was listening to a lot of Japanese pop at that time, and then you decided to make me a mixtape. And but you knew that I would never meet anybody off the internet, so you said I'm gonna hide it under like a mailbox in a public location and you can just go get it. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just quickly meet this guy and get the tape because that seems kind of mean if he's going to put in all this effort. So then we met at Fairview Mall in Toronto and then you were probably on the end of a drug binge. You looked terrible and you were just trying to get a ride home. So then you asked to see, you knew I drove, you were like, what kind of car do you drive? And I said, well, I have a Volkswagen Beetle. He's like, oh, I've never seen one of these before. I'm like, okay. He's like, can I come and look at it? I'm like, sure. Well, also, you gotta, you have to bring up the fact that that's the only thing I kept saying over and over again. Yeah. You're like, can I please see your car? I'm like, this is such a weirdo. I lived, just just so that people know, I lived... Across the fi- street. Yeah, like a 10-minute walk, yeah. maybe 15, because everything's a little bit you know, bigger in Toronto, maybe 15 minutes to get to the apartment complex south yeah. of there. And then you were uh, like, I think you said, once, you, once we got to the car, you were like, I've never sat in one before. Is it okay if I sit in one? So I think finally I was like, well, do you just like want to ride home? You're like, yes, please. So after I dropped you off, I remember thinking, yeah, I went home and I told my mom, I met a guy on the verge of homelessness. I'm probably never going to see him again. So that's that. That's the first time I think you've told that story the way I would have. You used to be so embarrassed about it. Well, because internet is so weird. Mm. I don't know. I just didn't want that to define mm. me or define us or define anything. But it's interesting how much it does, right? Because that becomes reflective of like the last 18 years yeah. of me just being this like idiot. It's uh, interesting how when you're 19, you make this one small decision to go, <laughs> <laughs> to go against your normal like routine instead of saying, yeah, yeah, I'll just pick up the tape under a mailbox you know you make one exception and now you're hooked <laughs> you know oh boy so this this is the trick to dating you got to be uh, at your worst you know i will say this i mean my my worst is particularly bad but i do believe not that i have any right anymore to talk about dating because we've been together for so goddamn long what the hell do we know about what it's like to date in this current you got world? so upset all the new terms yeah, i don't understand anything yeah. um seeing date i don't know oh, fuck yeah i was thinking like seeing checking you're so upset about that yeah but then that's probably old term yeah that's not people even, don't even people don't say that no do people still say i'm checking her out 
I'm seeing someone. No, Kyle's like, yeah. Kyle's like, Jesus, you guys start dating in the 2000s? Like, I know, we're, we're old. But I swipe right or left. <sighs> See, swiping. Like, yeah. What, I don't understand the swipe. <laughs> well, you know what? So convenient. It's either, yeah, that's either creepy or Adora, which is also creepy. With the... But now it's turned, right? The world's changed so much that you can only meet people online, basically. Well, here's the thing. It has changed. Like, you know, obviously the medium through which we communicate has changed. But I think the principle of what I was going to say should stay the same, which is you need to start off showing people what, who you really are. Like, I did it accidentally and without the intention of us dating, of course. Like, I was just, I didn't know where I was or who I was at that time. Um, I probably still don't. But um, Well, you weren't trying to impress me, that's for sure. Right. And I think You the, borrowed a quarter from me to call a restaurant to beg for a job. I remember that. Kyle, we should mic you up. These are great moments, man. Um, <clears throat> I'm like, I yeah, you can I, have a quarter. <laughs> But I think this it, is when telephones only cost a quarter. Yeah, I imagine that. I mean, I had a pager. I and think, no one had cell phones. There, well, yeah. A oh, few that was another thing. Couple, yeah. And if cell phones would have existed, we wouldn't have met because you were trying to cancel. Remember? Yeah, I tried to cancel because I was, and I wasn't online that morning. That's right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Maybe you know what? Maybe maybe this whole world is changing, and maybe it's too easy to kind of walk away from stuff. You know, like I'm just thinking of the few single people I've known uh, throughout our tenure and like the experiences they have. And, you know, maybe there's something to that in general, you know, even with the artists that I meet or the people that are looking for a cop out, the cop out's much easier now. Yeah. Like that morning, you're right. I, uh, I was on a three day bend. So I like, I woke up, well, I, didn't, I hadn't been sleeping and um, I was like, I can't, I can't walk. Okay. I, I don't know how I'm going to go to Fairview, but I will say I went. You went. I didn't just pass it on the floor. Uh, so that said something, but I, I was trying to like message you. I'm like, just log in so we can like reschedule. This is, um, and then we met and then yeah, no I. No one checked their email. There was, you check no. your email like. Yeah, it was a yeah. totally different environment uh, in 2000, 99, You would have to call the mall security. Please find <laughs> Helen. Yeah. And then you get on the PA, bloop, bloop, bloop. If there is a Helen Lynn in the Fairview <laughs> Mall, please report to the information center. There is a call waiting for you. So we met that way. And then my life uh, blew up. Um, I don't remember. I think I do remember you went to New York. I don't know why that's important. But you kind of disappeared for a bit. And then I, uh, my life blew up. And then I moved back in with my parents. And then uh, um, the summer passed. We started talking our first movie, X-Men, original X-Men. Yeah, original yeah, X-Men. at Empress Walk. You told me you had no friends. Yeah, I didn't have any friends. And so I felt sorry I for you. So I thought, okay, this guy made me a tape. It's reasonably good. I'll just see him one more time. Reasonably good. That tape's legit. That was like... <laughs> DJ Shadow before, like, you know, Crush, when Crush was still cool. And like, that's, we should find a tape cassette player because we still have the tape and see actually what's on Yeah, it's on good trip-hop classics. Do you, like, man, making a mixtape and like cueing music and like making sure, th like that's, that was an art. It probably sounds like shit. We'll have to, actually, maybe we should listen to it. I wonder. We don't have a cassette player. No, I'm just saying, like in general. We I do wonder have what the cassette. Yeah, it's framed now. I framed it and gave it to Dave on our wedding day. And I cleaned up by then in the sense that I moved back to home. So I was wearing pants my mom bought me. Yeah, you took a shower. I took showers. 
I don't think I had a job yet, but I uh, had to buy you like an A and W meal. Yeah, because I, you I owed a lot of people money at that. Oh time. my gosh, <laughs> I remember we went out and and we went to watch this movie, and then Dave was like, "I'm so hungry, <laughs> <laughs> so eat something." He's like, "I don't have any money," so I bought you an A and W meal at the food court. And I was like, "What is this guy?" Baller. Oh my god. Smooth. That's what I am. Yeah. And then I don't know. I uh, I remember it wasn't Crouching Tiger, but you came over. Oh, I mean, some things happened, which I I don't remember that uh, real. But I remember um, you came over to my parents' place when we watched Chow Yun Fat, like a period Chinese drama. Oh, it was um, something about the emperor and the assassin. Um, assassin, yeah. See, I have some memories of. Stuff. I remember everything. You know, you know what I've been thinking a lot about too. Um, my, you know, through all my psychiatric uh, revelations, um, I've come to realize that my negative assessment of my childhood and my selective memory of only negative and problematic things is just my disease. And my brother, for example. Uh, who experienced most of the same stuff? He's only a year and a half younger than me. I mean, he's got a goddamn Rolodex memory, and he remembers both. Like when my family had a, a negative moment, but he also is like, "Yeah, I remember when we played here, and remember when we did." I'm like, I don't remember anything other than you know this bad stuff. But after we started hanging out, it became the opposite. Where I mean, I still had lots of bad moments, but I start. I remember things like this. I remember. Sitting and watching a Chinese movie with you is exciting. Um, I think we were sitting on the same couch as like my sister and my mom or something. Yeah, your parents were there. Your <laughs> like yeah. I'm 22 and I, I was like a 12 year old kid with a with a date over. But um, yeah, your parents were in love with me right yeah. from the beginning. They assumed, maybe rightfully, I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint, but they assumed that they kind of started getting their son back because of you. Um, we always remember it differently because, you know, we weren't actually dating when mm -hmm. I moved back home. Um, but if we look at the timeline, I, mean, I already met you, so maybe your spiritual influence was already, like, inspiring me to stop being such a dick. But um, I'm a pretty positive influence. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm... Would you say I spark joy? Yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, and then... You know, on top of all this stupid things that I do, um, I didn't ask Helen out to be my girlfriend. I told her that I had been telling my, well, I did. I told my grandma that we were dating. <laughs> I was like, that's so cute. That's pretty cute. We were at the zoo. We were at the zoo. And you said, I've been telling my grandma that you're my girlfriend. I'm like, how do I answer to that? Well, you married me, obviously. Well, you didn't even ask me to marry you. Well, that's what I was going to bring up, is that... Yeah. Uh, I didn't propose to you for our wedding either. I just told you that. Uh, there was, well, there was an agreement to be married. Yeah, there was an agreement to be married, and I was a, a bigger dick than that. Uh, again, uh, too much drinking. Uh, we were at uh, was it Alvin's house or Fra Frankie's house, maybe on the patio. In, like, it was at Angie's house. Was it Angie's house? Yeah. And we were joking around, and then I was like manipulating you to to say like, "Will you marry me?" as a phrase, and then she didn't. I ran in. I didn't say that. Oh, what, what did we I say? I think you were like, you were trying to ask me when would be a good time to get married or something. Like we had been going out, like it was after the house, you know, yeah. it was probably like eight years we were together. And I point. said, yeah. oh, you know, maybe like oh, a yeah. 10th year anniversary would be a good idea. And then because I then burst we into would... the house and I'm like, Helen proposed to me, we're getting married. Like I was yeah, just being such a cock. You're such a dick. Yeah. And yet we got married on our 10th year anniversary. What was I thinking? I don't know. 
Mm, yeah, what is it? I mean, Esther's I'm got a great sure. question. I think it's because you always make me laugh. I try. Yeah, we talk about, you know, everything. Like, we never run out of things to talk about. And at the end of the day, you're so silly. <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, we should bring my son in here. I'm, I'm clearly the serious one mm-hmm. in our family. I, uh, but I feel like we're getting too caught up in the past. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to see. But one thing that, you know, would be kind of a good way to bridge the past and current is that we had talked about starting our own business for many, many years. So out of the 18 years, we talked about it for like probably 10 of them. And you were always telling me what a good, you know, entrepreneur I would be. And you've been saying that since day one. And then remember, we would come up like, especially after Emerson, we would say things like, I want to be available to pick up my child from kindergarten or I don't want to have to ask someone, you know, if I can take a day off, if my kid is sick right. and things like that. Like we had all these, um, we would talk about that all the time. Dreams. Dreams. Mm. Ideal. It kind of like shaped the business in many ways. Yeah. I mean, we got plenty of time now and we spent a lot of time with Emerson and uh, you can see it. He's clearly a four-year-old whose two best friends are in their, well, mid-30s and uh, 40. Late 30s. And and we're always around. I mean, I don't want that to come off in a comparative or evaluative sense for what everybody else has to do to survive familial life in Canada. But yeah, for us, it became a driving point when we had to reassess our life. Yeah, it was a huge difference, right? Because we came from both in corporate jobs and you had a more flexible job. But Emerson was dropped off at daycare at 7 a.m. And we would pick him up at, what, 4.30, go home, rush dinner. Then it's bath time. Then it's, you know, bedtime. And then he's off to bed. And we would sit there and be like, what happened today? We didn't even see our son. And we both... I mean, we won't dwell on it, but we both come from families that weren't, you know, we weren't like piggybacking each other the whole way or whatever. So we had this idea that we wanted to be like maybe too engaged and kind of like flippant. It became a source of bitterness that first year too, uh, second year after he was going to daycare where you went back to work and I was working. Emerson was doing this like, yeah, big, big stint at a nice daycare. He was having a good time there eventually. And, and we started thinking like we're seeing him, you know, Saturday and Sunday when he gets older, and then we start projecting the future. Once he starts doing crafts and like teams, and like you know, how do you see your kid? Is it any? And then we start saying things like, "Is it any wonder you know teenagers hate this and are like that?" And, blah, blah, blah. and then, uh, and then we both lost our jobs essentially on the same week. Yeah, um, but that was insane. With, with you losing your job, and I had a choice to stay on my job at a more miserable job, and I still walked out of it. And being such a secure. I've always seeked security my entire life and knowing that it was so bad I could not even do that at the worst time in our life I knew I made the right decision. That was big. I remember leading into I knew I was going to get fired because like I spent 2 years off on psychological problems. <laughs> uh, which is uh, not if you're thinking about doing it. I mean it, it was interesting. Um that's apparently not what corporate bosses want out of their employees. They don't want them to not work. But yours was interesting because it, yeah, it devolved really quickly, and we don't have to get into the details of that. But uh, I remember 
yeah, leading into that, like it was August, September, and you were like, well, I just saw this thing that Maricondo's in America now, and she's offering these certification programs. Yeah, and you're like, I don't out, think I can go. No, we went out for lunch, and I brought it up to you as like, did you know? And you say, so you're going to go? Yeah. And no, I, said, I think the tone was, so you're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. I was like, no, no, I was just telling you, it's really expensive. And I was like, no, like, you got to go. And then you signed up for it, thinking it would be like a part-time job, something just do on the weekend, like the courses on a weekend. And then uh, it was like the week after that all that or the no, two, it, was it was right after that all that drama went down. It, it was, was like crazy. A month after I signed up, but two weeks before I left for the oh. trip. The way that your work story ended uh, was awful. Yeah. yeah, and we don't. The only reason I don't want to get into it is because it gets so personal and becomes about individuals as opposed to like, let's say work culture and doesn't have to be indicative of working for a company, et cetera. But um, you dealt with that really well. Much I, I was really worried about how you dealt with it. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. But I, No, but I think, you know, I do want to credit the fact that we did Komari first um, as a... I think it was after that it became really clear to me that what I was doing is not what I should be doing. Yeah. I, you know what's interesting too after that was that's when we started the no waste stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so people who don't know, Helen's old Instagram was zero waste YYC. Yeah, zero waste YYC. And that was pretty big because you like when you committed to that, we pushed pretty hard. We make everything from scratch, our own ketchup, our own tomato sauce. You were making your own yogurt and make our own bread. Like... All glass containers. We were refusing to go to stores that served straws and plastic. You know, we went pretty hardcore into it, yeah. learning all the background information. Kind of like we were vegan for a while and vegetarian mm -hmm. for a while. And then I always learning. have to do things the best, right? <laughs> yeah, we're both like that. We kind of push a little too yeah. hard. We don't chill. Yeah, it went a little extreme. We didn't buy a single thing that came in a package. Kyle knows, like, I say, you yeah, know, we'll do podcasts. All of a sudden, I'm doing like two, three a week. And like, we're just like, what the, f you know, I, I can't help myself. But yeah, we we pushed, you pushed hard on that. Um, and that all came after Kumari too, where we were starting to reassess. Yeah, even our data, like we tried cloth diapers for Emerson. And we failed because it's disgusting. Uh, but there are great options to do that. We just couldn't do it ourselves. We um, yeah, we wanted to like recycle this. And I don't know, it, we were driving our own condos compost <laughs> to grow Calgary in our in our Mazda, you know, in like plastic containers to try to offer a composting system to our condominium before it became city mandate. Like we went, we went nuts. Um, and so it's fascinating, all of that stuff, like reassessment, looking for priorities and then being able to act because you're not burdened by... By your home? By your home. I think it's the little voice that you have in your head just gets really loud that you have to do something about it mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah. I think that's what zero waste was for me. And, you know, I mean, we still try our best to, we're not definitely not as diligent as we were, but, you know, I still do shop at Bulk Barn and try to tell Emerson about the difference between not using, you know, a disposable item versus like a reusable. Well, our son's the first like one-year-old who never didn't have plastic containers because we read about all the stupid off-gassing things. So he's been using glass and metal, you know, utensils his whole life. We have cloth napkins at home. Like yeah. it, he's he's going to be a weird kid yeah. when he gets <laughs> into I don't know what to school. do with a paper towel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. honestly. <laughs> he's like, what is this? Uh, 
that he's gonna be like, why are you throwing that out? I'm, I'm pretty sure you washed this. And they're like, no, you can't. It's paper towel. Yeah, so it's fascinating how our lives have evolved since then. Um, and I think there's a lot of creativity in that too. You know, I think approaching being vegan or vegetarian, then you be like, you were always into cooking and you're like a chef, but you know, learning about herbs and spices and building kind of all that stuff and building a menu, then no waste, like learning, you know, how to seal things and freeze things and pre-make stuff. And then finding out things like that bulk barn does tear waiting and, you know, all that stuff that there mm-hmm. takes a lot of energy. I, uh, I love it. I, I benefit from it. It's great. It's uh, fun living with you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You should have done week one. Yeah, I think I hope that comes out. But Kyle just announced that I should have been dumped week one. I think, I think if uh, even more of it, because that's not even really the scratch of the surface. There's so much more. Oh, there's so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, week one, week two, year one, year two. Fuck, I don't know. I, um, I mean, let's put it this way. I, 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 you know, nobody's perfect. So yeah, it's I'm not, no saint, so yeah, don't, yeah. don't idolize me too much. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm in love with you. I think you're amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I talk about you a lot. I think that Helen doesn't believe how much I dote on her. <laughs> even though it's fairly obvious um but um yeah you've been essential in all of this stuff that we're doing now and will be in all the stuff that we're going to be doing moving forward but we got a wrap we'll see if this podcast is even airable i enjoy talking with you um what should we talk about as far as a, a lead out is there anything that I don't know if it'll come up before the Edmonton Home Show, but you're doing Edmonton Home Show. We are speaking there. You spoke at Calgary last year. Yeah, she's Spark Joy with Helen on Instagram. It's pretty good, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I mentioned, but I, I do love you. Next, I think we'll bring Emerson on here and have a nice chat with him. He's got this new thing where he's uh, challenging only me and... Uh, <laughs> screaming face like he's like his teenager already mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy so it'd be fun to get him in the room hey eh, kyle and he can be on the mic and just telling me that he's not gonna listen to me that he doesn't have to look at me that i now uh, you're just bitter yeah i had a rough there's this there's no way he'll sit here for an hour oh uh, no well we'll see he's kind of different um okay thank you so much for coming over and um yeah well i don't know what we're gonna do next well thank you for having me on thanks for coming and uh yeah thanks for listening and we'll uh, talk with someone else next